guys. Welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. My name is Barry Strickoff, Registered Dietitian. And I'm Sophie Bertrand, Registered Nutritionist, and we are the authors of the Forking Wellness book and obviously the Forking Wellness Podcast. Each week we sit down and we discuss all things health and wellness from debunking diet myths to nutrition information, lifestyle factors, etc. Stick with us while we try and work out what the Fork Wellness really is. I don't even know what we do. This week, we are sponsored by Tree of Life, which is an amazing company aimed at making health easy by providing you and your family a wide range of delicious whole foods. They cater to all sorts of diets. So if you're vegan or gluten-free or dairy-free for whatever reason, they have so many different options, including pastas, cooking sauces, different snacking options, chocolates, etc. They sent us an amazing package. Um, I'm really excited to try their Manuka honey as well as restocking up on my chia seeds. I'm really loving their oat milk. They do different types of oat milk as well. So one is really foamable for if you're making your coffees or matcha lattes and um the other one is enriched with extra calcium and vitamin d and b vitamins so again if you're vegan it's a really good plant drink alternative they also offer a wide range of soil association certified organic products for the health of your family and the planet one of their goals is to make health easy and that includes the health of our planet and the communities they work with around the world. Many of their foods are sourced through fair share partnerships and they are on a mission to find improved ways to package the products that are sustainable for the environment. If you guys want to try out the delicious products from Tree of Life, head to their website www.treeoflifefoods.co.uk, sign up to their newsletter and get 20% off your next order. Hi guys, welcome back to this week's episode of the Forking Wellness Podcast. This week we are joined by Alice, who is a stress management consultant. Hi Alice. Hi guys, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. We're so excited. I feel like it's a blessing in disguise that we're having you here because it's very timely. Sophie and I are going through quite stressful times in our lives. Oh, good. I hope you'll feel calmer at the end of this episode. Oh, that would be lovely. <laughs> that would be amazing. Well, please introduce yourself. Tell us how you got into this or what, what do you do as a stress management consultant? Yeah, God, I mean, where to start? I got into this. I really didn't think I was going to be a stress management consultant. So, I mean, I'm a stress management consultant. I'm an energy practitioner, a Reiki practitioner, um, meditation teacher, um, a mindfulness practitioner, a podcast, just all these things that have come together to help people with stress. I find that there's so many different aspects that I'll talk about that really help people in different ways. And it's not a sort of one size fits all necessarily at all, because obviously we're all so different. But the stress management consultancy, I mean, I really didn't think I was going to do it at all. I wanted to be in fashion when I was younger. That's <laughs> so funny. So did I. Did you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And it's so funny because I used to spend so much time, you know, all my time like looking at Vogue and like talking about clothes, went to um, do design at Leeds and was like doing millions of internships. When I left, went to go and work for Netta Porto for a year. Wow. And then I was like, I'm going to do my own label. You know, that's always been my sort of dream. And I was like, right, if I'm going to do my own label, I really need to earn some money on the side. I'm not just going to throw it on the air and be like, I have, I can support myself whilst, you know, not earning any money and doing a label. So I went to go and get a assistance job at um, a Russian finance company just by chance and was there working for these people who were really really wonderful and suddenly at that time I thought I'll start doing my drawings on the side because they traveled a lot and I had quite a lot of spare time to be honest it was nice (laughs) and And, um, during that time suddenly I what I talk about when I speak about it is I experienced what I call stress in every aspect of my life at once. I had stress in every dimension. My eldest half sister sadly got diagnosed with cancer and we had a four year battle with her before she became terminally ill and we sadly lost her to cancer. I'm so sorry. No, no, thank you. But yeah, it was all part of this time where at that same time, every other aspect of our family life and my life just started to fall apart. So my dad sadly got very, very, um, very depressed because 
he'd lost his eldest child and at the same time his own businesses were going under and he was having to sell our house and he was just under extreme stress himself and I was sort of dealing with the anxiety of first of all going back and forth to hospital trying to manage my parents emotions my own emotions and then just dealing with those things you do in your 20s of you know having breakups and just the usual dramas and I just suddenly realized and I was working you know in this environment as well where I was the PA so I had to be on call the whole time you know in case someone wanted to wake me up at midnight I'd have to be able to answer the phone and I just realized I had like I said stress in every dimension of my life at once and I was really really unhappy I was you know waking up feeling anxious I wasn't myself and I was really good at hiding it because I didn't want to worry when you're going through something as a family you don't want mm-hmm. to add more stress to members of your family that you obviously know are struggling so I just sort of kept it to myself um but then I was like it sort of got to a point where I thought I need to do something about this and everything else is totally out of my control I can't change this I can't make my dad happy I can't bring my sister back I can't you know fix our sort of financial worries as a family or you know renew my relationship and xyz but I was like what I can do is change myself so I was like, how can I deal with this easily? Because this isn't stopping. There was things that were still carrying on. And I just started to, I mean, the first thing I did was actually listen to Oprah's Super Soul podcast. I stumbled across that and found all these amazing people and just started to teach initially myself everything I now teach other people and delved into mindfulness and spirituality and um, energy healing and all sorts of things and started putting them together and realized I was like oh wow this stuff really, really works um, and then you know, I tried to you know keep doing it myself and eventually you know made it my business when I got made redundant because my um, company were moving abroad but I, I sort of I say to people you know it's it's always our experiences with stress that really teach us the most most about it and I think my experience when I talk about it now has helped me in so many different ways to understand people's stresses from you know, loss and grief to just pressures. But I think it's so important for people to understand how damaging it is as well. I mean, my own father, I lost to stress-related illness just uh, two years, nearly two years ago. And you know, people can say lots of things like, oh, stress doesn't affect you and it's not that and this, but when you see someone go through such chronic stress for five years and we lost him to a burst stomach ulcer that caused internal complications, you think, you know, there's just nothing else that caused this except, you know, the extreme stress. So it's such a sort of mission of mine now to bring awareness to it and try to help as many people as possible with it. That's amazing. I think it is so important to highlight just quickly. Yes, it stress can have physical psychological effects on the body we know that stress causes inflammation in the body um it can actually make you physically ill like you know like you just said um and we you know we won't go into all the different areas in which it can <laughs> affect you negatively but i guess it's also important to highlight that a certain degree of stress kind of drives you in a way like we kind of do need to be stressed sometimes but like you said when it's in every single dimension of your life that's when you're like, okay, need to take a step back. How do I actually manage this more effectively? I'm so glad you mentioned that. I'm sorry. I'm so glad you mentioned that because my mom always says to me, I'm like a very high stress person, but like also very laid back at the same time. It's a very weird dynamic. Um, But she always says, you'll always find something to stress about. So once I I complete one task that is stressing me out, she's like, oh, what are you going to stress about next? because that's just the kind of person I am, because I find it motivating, like you said, Mm -hmm. so. But there obviously comes to a point where I think I hit that last week where, like you said, it's in every direction, and then you feel overwhelmed and almost underwater by the stress, and you, you, you can't get up for air. Whereas, like, I guess before, the stress is kind of motivating. Um, But then obviously, yeah, it takes a turn, doesn't it? I also find it... I'm so sorry I'll let you speak in a minute I also find it really difficult personally when I don't have a deadline so Barry and I obviously wrote our book together and it was so stressful doing it it took up every moment of our day as well as you know we were both working full-time but I knew that there was a deadline to it so it was it felt so manageable to me but at the moment I have so many different projects so many things rolling in my head my baby's due in July and I just feel like there's no deadline at the moment and I'm actually finding it quite difficult to 
sort through that and manage it in my head. Yeah, I mean, that is the that is the definition of what we call eustress. So we have eustress, which is a good kind of stress, and we have distress, which is all the bad stuff that can come in macro and micro. So macro, the huge life events that we expect to cause us stress. So, mm-hmm. you know, losing a job, losing a loved one, getting a divorce, all these sorts of things are the things that we all expect and know will cause us stress. And then the micro doses are the little things that are filtering on in our lives that we don't realize that are going into our system all the time. So the multiple WhatsApp, you know, notifications, getting mm. your attention. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, losing once upon a time, like losing your car keys on the way to work and being late for a meeting, you know, those sorts of things are the, what we call tiny little micro stress doses and they're constantly being given to us. You know, if we are in the modern world, unless we're sitting under a palm tree on a beach somewhere with mm. nothing to do, we will be experiencing micro stress and the you stress side is that good stress like Barry said you know when you feel motivated because it's that deadline and like you said now missing not having a deadline can sometimes feel unmotivating mm-hmm. but you stress is sort of giving yourself a deadline and knowing that you can you can cope with it so it's that feeling of being like I've got this deadline I can meet it and it's actually motivating me I feel excited by it as well and it's almost that there's almost a state where you can go into flow from you stress as well when you get it really right like when you're writing your book and you're just in that creative zone you may Mm -hmm. be stressed because you've got so much to write um but you know that you're actually really enjoying it and there's a target and you are in that creative flow so those are all the good good bits that we absolutely do need because we would be totally we would be totally bored if we didn't have these yeah 100 (laughs) percent But it's having that, be able to bring that into our daily life as well in terms of, okay, how can I motivate myself and not feel stressed at the same time when I have, like Barry said, okay, earlier, multiple things pulling me in multiple directions. Mm. You know, how do I regroup and find myself in that so that I don't feel like I'm totally just treading, <laughs> treading water like so many of us can and we feel overwhelmed. And, you know, that really goes, goes back to actually bringing yourself back to, you know, your mind, your body, your emotions. And then I always say your soul as well, which some people have resistance to, but I really think it's, it's the key that ties it all together. You know, I sometimes, sometimes have a client who's so logical, who, you know, particularly men who are stressed and they'll say they'll be working, um, you know, like a working professional, very logical driven. And I tell them what the sort of the basis is of what I'll put them through, but everyone's different. So someone will need one more than the other. And some of them will be like, well, do I have to do the soul part? And I'm always like, yes, you do. Because essentially that's the most important one because every other part of you, your body, your emotions, your mind is what's experiencing your stress. Your soul is the only thing that isn't. Your soul is the only calm thing in that four. So it's the one that's going to hold it all together. It's essentially your teacher for you to be your calmest self. And whether you believe in the soul or not, it's connecting to your true self, that self that's at ease and not stress. So coming back to all those things, you know, we have to try and put them all together to just do a little bit of work on them every day. And that's so interesting. I could really relate to being like overly logical, but I'm like fascinated with kind of like the soul and energy. And I love learning about it, but sometimes I do find that like, logic is often my barrier i love a process give me like a 10-step process i'll follow it love that but it's yeah it's that logical thinking but can you explain a bit more about like what that soul element is or like how do you tap into that soul element because i don't know i find it a bit abstract yeah totally so i mean i like i say i always say your soul whether you you know your spirit your soul whatever it is to you it's your connection to your most authentic self So yourself that doesn't have labels, that doesn't define yourself based on whether I'm, you know, I'm a wife, I'm a teacher, I'm, you know, whatever those labels are that people describe themselves. Usually when we ask someone, you know, who are you? They will start to list off all those many labels before they've actually even answered who they really are at their core. You know, what kind of a person, what kind of an energy they actually hold and what's important to them. So I always say, you know, the relationship begins with that, like coming back to that truest version of yourself before society told you who you should be or other people made you feel like you needed to be a certain way and the other side for me is connecting to your energy so 
your intuition. Um, I really believe that, you know, we're all born with an intuition. And again, it's that whole society of the world, labels, etc. they get us to sort of block off our intuition and not trust our own gut, which again, it actually comes in a full circle. It's trusting your own self. You know, we, when we trust our own instincts, we fully trust ourselves, and we don't question it through our mind or through someone else's, you know, thoughts and sort of, what's the word? opinion <laughs> then we can trust our gut and trust our soul because it's always that intuitive voice is always guiding you and i think you know whether people believe in say the soul or not we've all had those moments where you walk into a room for example and you just feel like the energy is really good or you walk into a room and you just feel like oh this is really not a nice vibe <laughs> i don't really want to be here right now and that's all the same thing. It's your intuition guiding you through that sort of process. And there's actually, if you want the sort of steps, so to speak, there's a great, um, there's a great uh, exercise to access your intuition that I love, that logical people absolutely love because it is a process and it's using your body. So we are so disconnected from our feelings, most of us, which is why we don't notice the intuition. The majority of people, if you ask them, you know, how do I feel today? they won't have even asked themselves that question in the morning. And now becoming more aware of our actual feelings and how they're presenting themselves in our body actually helps us to um, access our intuition more easily. So a quick exercise you can do, for example, if you want to practice, you can literally, it's a, actually a shamanic exercise originally, but it's talking to your body to ask to access your intuition. So you would literally state out loud, you know, body, show me a clear yes. And then you would sit and just take a breath and notice where your body starts to give you a little signal. And it may be so subtle. You know, I had a client who said he had a, a yes behind his ear and he was super logical actually. And he was like, I've had this yes for so many times in my life, but I've just ignored it because I had no idea what it meant. But it's really funny now I've become aware of it, that that's what it is. So you can tell your body, you know, body, show me a clear yes and notice it. And then once it gives you a little, little answer, it might be the tiniest thing, then state out loud, I feel, say, you know, a twitch behind my ear and then say thank you. And then do the same process with a no and notice where the no is, notice where the difference is in your body. And again, take note and say thank you out loud because it's that sort of reaffirming with your body, that kind of connection. And it's amazing actually what, what people find, what their intuitive language is, because we are all so different and everyone has a totally different intuitive, you know, bridge with their, with their soul and intuition. Like I doubt, you know, I definitely don't have one behind my ear. That was the first time someone had told me that. I thought that was amazing. I was like, oh, great. Okay. <laughs> That's a nuance. <laughs> but you can get it from any, any part of your body. And it's just really opening up that dialogue with it, first of all, through awareness and feeling. I think that's so interesting and I mean that I'm, I'm going to be super honest that sounds a little bit hippie for me um so but I guess from my line of work I practice intuitive eating and like you said we are all born with that intuition and you know we've received in you know social or environmental messages that have kind of made us distrust our body or mistrust our body um so I find that I can relate in that sense um but for someone who maybe that seems really far-fetched, what, because I'm actually all for that, like mind, body, soul, I'm really into it. Um, but I take kind of certain aspects and everyone who listens will know that I'm, I really can never get into meditation. It's just not for me. I wish I could, because I know there's so many benefits of it. Um, but what it, what it, what's like a first step that say if you're really stressed and you wake up in the morning and you want to try and set the tone for the day, what's maybe something you recommend doing, whether that be, taking three breaths in and three breaths out or like looking in the mirror and giving yourself a pep talk like is there just like a few kind of simple steps that maybe someone could start with who this feels very out there for yeah totally I mean I think the morning like you say mentioning that is such a good point because how we set ourselves up for the morning really sets up our day particularly stress (laughs) 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 the majority of us will wake up to an alarm that's probably on your phone yeah. without having your phone on airplane mode. So I would say that's the first thing I always tell every client, put your phone on airplane mode before you go to bed. I love that. I use the, um, 
the do not I use it it's in like the health app and it's like you set your bedtime and like the you set your bedtime and what time you want to wake up and then it puts it on do not disturb like two hours before your bedtime so you don't get any notifications and then I don't know is that the same benefit as airplane mode or now I need to go straight into airplane mode (laughs) I would say do airplane mode only because I don't know about that specific for the app, but I know that do not disturb just on your phone will still allow you to see the notifications, even if it's not vibrating, even if it's not buzzing. Yeah, it doesn't pop up on my screen. Well, obviously not now. I just showed you guys and there's all these notifications, Um, (laughs) but it doesn't pop up on my screen, but I can like deactivate it and then see all of them. So yeah, yeah, it's like, it's fake. It's kind of, I think airplane mode really separates you from it. So it becomes a sort of just like an off block near you as opposed to something you think I need to check right now because mm. what could be going on? Because sadly, that's, you know, the links we've made in our mind with our phone. We know how addicted we are to it, even though we don't want to be. We just see it there. We just automatically just pick it up to check, even if that's not the notification. So if you haven't got your phone on airplane mode and you're using it as an alarm and you sleep with it next to you instead of it being in another room, then the first thing you do when you wake up is actually get flooded with micro stress doses like we were talking about earlier Mm. before you've even had your morning coffee. So you've already sort of put your system at a slightly, you know, higher level of stress than it needs to be before you've yawned and gone to bed. So that's definitely the first thing. And then I always say just take five minutes of yourself before you turn your phone off airplane mode. So whether that is doing a breathing technique, like one of my favorites is something called the 448 breath, because it's so easy to remember. Mm. You simply you know, breathe in through your nose for four, hold for four and breathe out of your mouth for eight. And just repeating that three times will actually really calm your body down. But repeating it for a calm song or for two minutes, five minutes, where you'll see wonders. Um, so taking that time to just do some breaths, get out of bed and then ask yourself what you actually want to get out of your day. So how do I want to feel today? And how do I feel today? Are two of the questions I always say, start the day with, because if you notice how you do feel, it might actually be really far off from how you want to feel, or it might be the same. And then you can carry on in that motivated state and, you know, set an intention for what you want to do. But if it's far off, you know, I feel you know, I'm feeling sad today, but I want to feel excited. Then I always say, okay, get a journal out and write down how you're feeling. So why are you feeling sad? Try to just work through those emotions because we know emotionally what we resist persists. So if we sadly wake (laughs) up in the morning in a bad mood, then, and we're pushing it away, the likelihood is you're going to stay in a bad mood for the rest of the day, whether you want to or not, or you're going to stay stressed or anxious. So just noticing your feelings, first of all, and processing them and just allowing it to come out on paper and then just asking yourself, okay, how do I want to feel? And then doing one tiny step towards that feeling. Because when we do one tiny step to get towards the way we want to do, then our self, our mind will try to help us to get further along during the day. You know, we'll think, okay, I'm one step closer. I can do a little bit more, you know, and you'll find something else that will help move you towards that. So It's just putting in those tiny little moments in the morning, but taking space for yourself before the day sort of takes hold of you is so, so important. Yeah, I I love that. And actually when you're saying it, um, it doesn't take long, does it? And I think that people have this like, this like notion that, okay, this morning routine is going to be an extra, you know, half hour. But what you've actually just described is, you know, no less than 10, like no more than 10 minutes easily. And if it's going to help set you up for the day, I mean, I personally would rather wake up 10 minutes earlier just to give myself that time to try and dictate my mood for the day. And actually, I've got myself into a really good sleeping pattern at the moment where I don't even use an alarm anymore. I wake up at quarter past six or 20 past six every day. It's, It's literally so on the dot. Um, I go to bed at the same time and it just like having that extra 40 minutes in the morning. So you scoop up around seven is literally life changing. Yeah, I completely agree. My boyfriend's always like, why do you get up so early? Yeah, everyone says that to me. <laughs> My boyfriend's like, you work from home. Work doesn't start till 8.30. Why are you getting up at 6.30? And I was like, because I don't like to feel rushed in the morning. Yeah. I like to take my time. I do journal in the morning. I like to have one 
cup of like uninterrupted coffee and then the second cup I could be doing xyz but if I were to roll out of bed and start work right away Mm -hmm. which you used to do I remember yeah my stress levels would be through the roof and I mean I'm sure you're going to touch on this but you know you get like you were saying the micro stretches stresses they add up And so if you can start your day from somewhere that's lower, then your cumulative daily stresses are going to be lower than they would have been. Yeah, exactly. And and that's that's the problem we all we all face is that if we don't wake up and we decide, okay, I'm gonna take control of my morning and just have a little space for myself because we're so used to just running into reaction mode. So I wake up, I look at my phone, I've got notifications flashing at me. I feel upset that the headline is depressing as it always is. I have an email that, not me, I'm saying this is, <laughs> yeah. what I, this is the case, but you know, and I you get an email from someone that upsets you or something on social media subconsciously makes you feel a bit envious and you get in a low mood because someone's doing something you'd rather do. And all these little things add up. And so if we don't actually take the time, like you say, to create something where you start your day for you instead of it starting you, then it really, really adds up throughout the day. And we have that threshold that's already, you know, gone up to a level that actually, if you had a big stress that day, you'd probably be really tipped over the edge. So it's really making sure that that level consistently stays low from the micro stress doses so that we can handle the macro better when they arrive and people you know we forget that these micro stress doses are constantly flooding our system and just five minutes a day brings them back down you know just doing five minutes of breathing or you know five minutes of gratitude five minutes of ask looking at yourself in the mirror in the morning and just simply asking how can I help you today is such Mm -hmm. a powerful practice because we spend so much time of the day obviously looking outside of ourselves, looking to do things for other people or having, you know, attention from distractions, etc. Just looking at yourself and having that relationship with yourself at the beginning of the day is what's going to set you up really in a strong position for stress. And I think that relationship's missing quite a lot with so many people. For some reason, we've really neglected that little bit of space just for us. And I hope that it's starting to come back, People, particularly this year. Mm. The obviously stress has been such a big thing as well as, okay, I'm really having to sit with myself because there's not much else to distract me anymore. Okay, what mm-hmm. does that actually look like? You know, and that can be a really scary thing for people because distraction was key before then. You know, everyone was booking their next trip. Everyone was booking mm. their next dinner. We didn't even have a a moment um, in between to to just breathe and ask ourselves those questions. You know, what do I need? How do I feel? How can I help you today? And I think those are really the most important things to start to think about if you're gonna, you know, bring that sort of calmness into your life. Yeah, we're big believers of small consistent behaviors can have the greatest impact. Um, so yeah, I absolutely love that. Yeah, me too. And uh, what about, so we talked kind of about things you can do in the morning, or I know you mentioned like things you can do throughout the day. You mentioned gratitude um, and breathing. But if we feel like the micro stresses are getting on top of us throughout the day, but we can't necessarily do anything about it. I can't tell my boss, hey, I'm feeling too stressed. I got to, mm-hmm. you know, close the laptop for the day. And often when I'm feeling too stressed, that means I'm working past my normal working hours um, and the stresses keep coming in. So Do you have any recommendations for small things that we can do to kind of manage those ever adding micro stresses? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first one is definitely breathe, but actually setting yourself five minute breaks to breathe. So whether that is, you know, a labeled alarm on your phone saying, take a breath to remind you because Mm -hmm. we when we're stressed we breathe from our chest instead of our diaphragm so we don't Mm -hmm. get the amount of oxygen in our body that we need to because your body thinks you're under stress and under threat so we actually have to breathe deeply to calm our system down again but we do the opposite because we're at a desk going you know typing an email and not even taking that full breath so putting a labeled alarm on your phone to say breathe five times a day you know morning 11 lunch afternoon evening and then just taking you know even just three rounds of like the four four eight breath 
because it's that quick. You know, that's less than two minutes doing three rounds, um, doing something like that. And then the other side I always say is mindfulness throughout your day. So implementing that when you can either use the outside world to ground you and to bring you back to the present moment, or you want to be mindful of your inside world. So this, this first side I always say is, you know, if you're feeling really overwhelmed and stressed and you kind of feel like it's all getting on top of you, you want to ground yourself in something in your surroundings. So look for five things that you can see and actually just recite them either out loud or in your own mind, because you can do that at your desk. You know, you can look and think, okay, what's around me just quickly. I don't have to distract myself for half an hour. I can just take a look around and just notice the colors, notice the shapes, notice the actual details and just recite those to yourself. And then look at sort of four things you can hear. So, okay, I can hear, you know, myself typing in the moment. I can hear myself breathing. I can hear someone having a conversation or a siren outside, you know, whatever those four things are and just notice them and describe them to yourself again. Um, and then look at something like three things you can feel. So ground yourself in your own body. So whether that's the weight of your legs on your chair or whether it's, you know, your clothes on you, the wind on your face, if you're outside, just different things. Noticing these sorts of senses, what and as part of mindfulness is what grounds us back into the present moment so we can feel less overwhelmed and realize that actually the day is not running away from us. We have the ability to bring it back to us whenever we want to. Um, and then, like I said, the other side of mindfulness when those little daily moments that you can have for yourself is actually just being mindful of how you're feeling. So just taking a pause and just thinking, okay, how do I feel in this moment? Do I feel stressed? Do I feel you know, anxious? Do I feel happy? And then just being kind to yourself. So taking a deep breath, noticing where you actually feel stressed in your body again, and just putting it, if you can, and you're, no one's around you, or it's in a place that's comfortable and you don't, doesn't, no one notices, you know, it's like every situation's different, putting your hand over that part of your body and just taking a few deep breaths and actually imagining yourself expanding that specific area and telling it to, you know, relax and just, you know, taking a few deep breaths, but concentrating on the most stressed part of you. It's, um, I always say, you know, mindfulness is paying attention with kindness. You know, we can pay attention to the present moment, but if it's not in a kind way, then it's not going to reduce your stress. And the kindness has to start with you. You know, there's no point. Um, we can be as kind as we want to everyone, and we obviously should, but if we're not being kind to ourselves, then we're going to feel extremely stressed. Yeah, I love that so much what you just said. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the soundbite for this week's episode um, because it was just so well, so well said. Um, and it kind of reminded me of one of the meditation exercises I do before I go to bed, which is like progressive muscle relaxation, where like you acknowledge every part of your body mm -hmm. and then you kind of just like turn it off and go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so. Speaking of meditation, I know it's like, like I said, it's not something I personally feel like I can get on board with. But what I mean, what because as well, I think meditation can be different for some people. And my version of meditation or what works for me is just going out on a walk and just like soaking up the fresh air and focusing on my breathing, which I've been doing a lot of in preparation for pregnancy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's my version of meditation. What's your version of meditation? And what do you see kind of... Um, success in in regards to clients yeah so I actually I love that you asked that question because I actually have my own method of meditation that I make for clients and um people because I know that people really struggle with meditation mm. if, if I had <laughs> the amount of people that say that to me every time you know it's, it's amazing obviously I think because everyone just different. pictures like sitting with your legs crossed in a room like with your eyes closed <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that's what I do anyway <laughs> yeah and I I, I like that there's so many different types of meditation because I, I can only do a guided meditation. Like I just, my, that's where my mind is at. Like I need someone just to tell me what to think, what not to think, et cetera. But I found like walking meditations and like there was the one that I used to do in my commute that was like commuter meditation. Um, they were great. And you didn't have to sit there with your eyes closed. You could be on a train in London with thousands of people and you could still carve out time to meditate. I mean, that's the thing it is, it's, um, 
I always say, you know, like you said, people think that meditation, you have to be sat on the top of the mountain like Yoda and not have a single <laughs> thought come through your head. Otherwise, you have not meditated. <laughs> That's just so far from the truth. You know, meditating is as much about getting to know your mind as it is about quieting it. So, you know, there's a great phrase, actually, that a teacher of mine in LA taught me that she said, you know, your mind is like a Rottweiler and you have to learn to walk it. Otherwise, it will walk you. And that phrase really stuck with me because it reminds you that actually you need to get to know what you're walking. You know, what are the things that are coming up in your mind that are distracting you? What are the things that are making you think, I don't want to sit down and meditate? So for me, guided meditation is, you know, it's an amazing thing. And I actually, I developed something I call guided thoughts for that exact reason for people who find it really hard to just sit down and think even guiding them through breathing they find difficult so instead what my sort of meditation does is guide their thoughts into answering the questions that they need to actually know to find calmness or to feel a bit better that day so self-awareness whether it's connecting more to their intuition or whether it's you know how they're feeling and allowing them to process their emotions through a calming meditation there's so many different ways you can do meditation is the point you know like you said so if you're going on a walk it's totally a mindfulness meditation. You know, there's, there's um, mindfulness meditations guided on headspace just for walking. Um, mm. And guided meditation, I think, is such, such a key for people who are struggling. But then you also have to remember, if you just like to breathe, that is the form of meditation. If you want to sit down with a relaxing song for five minutes and just concentrate on, you know, breathing deeply through your diaphragm or doing four, four, eight breath, that is you meditating. Even if you're thinking about, a few other things at the same time. It's not about being like, okay, I've thought of nothing. Yes, I've nailed it. Mm. <laughs> being like, okay, where's my mind gone? And can I bring it back? But why am I thinking about that? Let's just process that a second and then take a few more deep breaths. And I think, you know, people just understanding that you can just try multiple different types of meditation until you find one to suit you because there isn't ever a one size fits all. And Certainly a lot of people don't want, don't want to sit cross-legged mm. um, and pretend to sort of try and do that whole yogi aspect that can be so daunting and is extremely hard and takes years to, you know, get to that space. And I think that's what can really put people off. Just reminding yourself that if you have a thought in meditation, that's not a bad thing. You know, just mm. notice what that thought is and see if there's a pattern that you can actually find keeps coming up when you sit down for five minutes and then write that down afterwards in a journal okay what thoughts came up in meditation today and I'm going to notice what they are over the next few weeks I guess what another challenge is it's something I say it because my husband has said it to me like he'll sit at his desk all day and he'll be like super stressed and I'll be like just get out for a 10 or 15 minute walk and he's like I haven't got time like I'm too busy and I'm like, my argument is if you just make 10 to 15, like time, 10, 10 to 15 minutes to get some fresh air and clear your head, you'll be more productive when you come back. You totally, totally agree. We're 31% less productive when we're stressed and unhappy than when we're happy. That's interesting. Time, which is, it's a huge, huge amount, you know. Yeah. And it's the classic, like you say, so many people will say, no, no, I don't have time. And I'm, I'm actually more productive when I'm really stressed. But unless you're in new stress and you're feeling happy about it and you know you've, you're going to meet that challenge and you've only got it for a short amount of time, then you're not more productive at all. We are 31% less. So just taking, like you said, 10 minutes to go for a walk will actually ensure that you do become productive again for the rest of the day. Mm. Um, it's really like small, small things, like you say. Yeah, uh, something you just said like just really resonated last week keep saying like last week I was super stressed, but I was. And I think one of the things that was really bothering me is I felt like I was not getting anything done. Yeah. Like my to-do list was just, it wasn't going It wasn't, down. it was a never ending. <laughs> and I just felt so unproductive and it was causing me more stress because I was like, I have so much to do, but for some reason this task is taking me longer. I don't think the quality is what it normally is am I going to meet this deadline? I'm going to have to work later. I'm going to have to work harder. And like, how do you get yourself out of that cycle when you're so stressed that it's making you less productive, which is adding more stress? Yeah, so I think I would say like, ask the question when you're in that state of stress, 
ask yourself, okay, what do I think I don't have time to do right now that would actually make me feel better? Or what is the opposite of what I want to do? As in, you know, the opposite of what people want to do then is usually relax or laugh or, you know, do something like dance, you know, smile, all these little things doing the opposite of what you think is going to make you more productive is actually what your body and your mind needs to really make you more productive. So, I mean, to shift your stress around, for example, you can do things like what are called smile meditation, which isn't actually a meditation. <laughs> it's just, it's something that is so quick to change your physiology on stress. So you can, you're feeling really stressed. I really don't feel like smiling. Oh, what's the opposite of that? Okay. I need to smile sit down for two minutes, close your eyes and force yourself to put a smile on your face. And your body will actually trick your brain into releasing the same happy hormones as it would as if you were actually smiling. And you probably end up laughing at yourself. I usually do. Yeah. It's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, we've spoken about this before, actually. Um, yeah. And the whole, yeah, the smiling thing we've definitely spoken about and the like the power pose. Yeah. It's like Superman, Superwoman. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But I feel like it's that same thing. It's like putting your body in a certain position to make you feel a certain way. And then all of a sudden, if your body does it, your mind's going to follow. And it is kind of that, that trick, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, yeah, doing the opposite of what you think you need that day. So if you think you don't have time to relax, then you absolutely need to take half an hour, take half a day, whatever it is to relax, because when your body is allowing itself to calm down and your mind mind will follow as well, then you'll be able to bring yourself to that calm state again where you feel so much more productive and clear that you know what to do as opposed to just doing nothing but getting loads of things around you. <laughs> We're just sort of swimming in all our work and nothing's getting done. So it's definitely yeah. taking the space to break the cycle before you start again. And I always think you know time blocking for people is always such an important thing. I think that so often we can write these lists when we're stressed and then all we do is just write more lists and that almost makes us feel like we're doing work when we're actually getting nothing done all we're doing is writing more lists and we're not ticking anything off our list and so I always say you know if you have a list then okay write down what's actually in the most you know like deadline important stuff and then what's sort of deferred and what you can delegate have your three lists and then time block from the most important so setting yourself actually realistic times and then time blocking the breaks as well that's Mm -hmm. the most important part so time block an hour an hour and a half whatever works for you and then time block 15 minutes half an hour for a break and actually stick to it and then you'll really notice that you're getting it done that's something i've recently started doing is actually writing my to-do list and then putting the times like just stamping rough times which are obviously flexible you know you don't you don't get something done in the hour it's not the end of the world but like (laughs) actually making sure that within you know if I'm booking in loads of meetings in one day making sure I've got like a half an hour time slot to take my dog out for a walk yeah yeah I I use my work calendar like that like Mm. put in the the thing that I'm doing in between and then yeah, I do the breaks and then people will look at my calendar and it says like 15 minute break and hopefully they don't book a meeting during that time. I <laughs> see, I booked in my break. <laughs> I guess Elle McPherson, she books in the gym as an actual meeting in her calendar and she says it's non-negotiable to her team, no one dare kind of thing. And she said, if I don't, <laughs> and funnily enough, you know, she looks the way she does, but she, <laughs> if they, uh, you know, she says that I tell my team, like you have to treat that as if that's the most, important meeting with an, of an investor you know anything the same same degree of respect for that meeting do not change it and so she says you know that's when it doesn't get moved and I think we really need to have that same respect for our breaks as well you know don't move them you need it more as much as you need the meeting just yeah sure. like prioritizing those moments for your mental health as well yeah, exactly yeah I completely agree then the, the last thing I really wanted to touch on was burnout so what is I mean, like, I feel like we've all kind of experienced this feeling of, you know, so much stress that you feel like you're going to burn out, that you can't do anything, but maybe you have a more like clear insight into what is actually happening when you experience burnout, like in your body or in your mind and kind of the effects that that has long-term or things we can do to avoid burnout. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, burnout is such a crazy thing because it's now been recognized by the World Health Organization as an actual 
as an actual, you know, illness, as its actual own own self-standing thing, because it is so important. And it's purely come from people, um, us not taking the time to prevent stress as much as we do cure it. You know, we take so much, um, so much time, sadly, as humans to, we seem to have to allow ourselves to get to breaking point and hit rock bottom mm. when it comes to stress and mental health before we think, okay, now I need to do something about it. Or our body has literally told us, you need to stop because it's either given us an illness from stress or it's burnt out and it's giving us that extreme fatigue and mental exhaustion and you know all those things where you just can't we can't concentrate when we're burnt out we are not actually getting anything done we're really really struggling in our body because our stress response has actually been constantly on for a very long time and when that response goes off you know it's that um problem with you know say in the olden days for people listening, you know, fight or flight, your stress response is meant to go on and off in that quick response. And it has its place. Like we said, you know, you've got used stress and obviously we want our stress response to go off when we think we're going to get you know, hit by a car or something and you need to get out of the way. It's that life or death, you know, response to survive. And, you know, in cave, cave times, obviously it would be that life or death response to survive if an animal was coming to attack our tribe or another tribe was and our stress response would go off. And, you know, for hormones like cortisol would flood our system and tell our muscles to, you know, have more blood and be able to fight and dilate our pupils so we could see better and shut down things like our digestion because the thought process is obviously, you know, why do I need to digest a steak if I'm about to turn into one myself? So the whole, that whole side of it. But then in the modern day world, our stress response, as we know, is constantly being turned on without us even realizing from micro stress, just gradually building up. And then also from our extreme stresses that we will go through, whether that's work pressure or life pressures. And so that system can be continually on without it being turned off because when we're sad at a desk, we don't have anything to expel that stress, so to speak. It doesn't, our body then doesn't know that the threat is over unless we take time to do the practices like meditation or even actually shaking. So there's a, there's a great book called Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. It's all about the science of stress. And it's because zebras do what they say to shake. If someone is stressed, someone, if an animal is stressed from a predator, they run and then they shake afterwards. Like you'll see a dog shake after it's, you know, had a fight or anything. But we just store all the stress in our body. And eventually it leads to things like burnout because we haven't taken time to just do five minutes a day to process it and tell our system that actually we're not under threat, we're okay, and it can calm down. So to, to not sort of allow ourselves to get to burnout, it's really about prevention as much as it is cure. You know, when you think, okay, I'm not that stressed, it doesn't matter. Still do five minutes a day to make sure you stay that level. Don't let it then get to a level where you think, okay, I'm really, really stressed. I need to do something about it. And, um, you know, doing something like shaking your body out, for example, just head to toe, telling it that actually the threat is over, going back to those sort of primal things really, really have a huge effect um, and just not allowing it to get to that extreme. I just added that book right now to my audible cue. So <laughs> you making a note. <laughs> I just searched it because that's so up my alley for me to something to dig my teeth into. Um, I think yeah, that's so interesting. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll listen to it instead of read. That'll get me through it. Um, but yeah, like stress, like dancing, like it's the best mm -hmm. stress reliever. Um, I totally understand that, and I can totally relate to that. Yeah, dancing is such a good one. It's um, it's also, I mean, it's a great connector, like you were saying, going back to that soul side at the beginning. You know, dancing you always says like the language of the soul, just purely because people lose their inhibitions in it. You connect your body, you connect to something that's not in your mind. You're not thinking about how you're dancing. You're just moving with the rhythm of the music. And that really calms your system down because it gets you to connect to that side of yourself that's not in the mind, constantly thinking, okay, what's next? What do I do? Just going with the flow and coming back to yourself again. I love that. I think that's the perfect way to wrap up the episode. Um, thank you so much for all those tips. I really feel like as well, and that chat went so quickly as well, um, that everything we've got, you've, you've touched on so many tools. And if someone can just take away one of those things, they'll be 
they'll be able to make an improvement. It's not like you have to do all of these things straight away, make time for meditation, make time for walks, make time, make time to, you know, be mindful or whatever. Um, just pick something that you think is doable and manageable and you can add into your day. Or if you just go away and like have a little dance, that would be great as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, I thought that was amazing. I definitely feel calmer. Um, you have a very calming voice. <laughs> that's a calming voice. You'd be, I mean, I can imagine that you're like the best meditate, the best person for guided meditation. Yeah, I was going to say, you should actually like get a job with Calm or Headspace and, and read those like, because um, I, I, I just listen to the sound of waves before I go to bed. But um, <laughs> pre- at the beginning of lockdown, my husband and I started listening to, because I was just so in such a bad headspace at the start of lockdown. So I, I was like, you know, if I was going to try anything, even though I'm, I'm like not into meditation. I was like, I'm just going to try it because I've got nothing to lose. Um, so I used to listen to someone like telling me how to calm my body and you could totally do that job. <laughs> yeah, a sleep, sleep story you'd be yeah. fantastic at. Um, so yes, um, if anyone from Headspace or Calm is listening, um, <laughs> definitely check out Alice. So um, if anyone wants to find out more about what you do or just learn more about meditation, mindfulness, listen to your podcast, um, where, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm so excited to get you guys on my podcast soon. That'd be so nice. Um, they can find me on Instagram under Lawali underscore life, which is L-A-W-A-L-I um, underscore life. And then I'm on LinkedIn, Alice Law, um, stress management. And then also my website, which is um, the same, www.lawali-life.com. Perfect. We will link all of those in the show notes um, so everyone can find you easily. But thank you so much for having me. It's been so nice. Thank you, Alice. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for your time. It was lovely speaking to you. And we will speak to you soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Forking Wellness Podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe. And share with your friends if you love this episode. It really does help us get seen in the chart. You can now also order our Forking Wellness book anywhere books are sold. Order it on Amazon Prime for next day delivery. And Barnes & Noble in America. And if you love the book, we would so appreciate a review on Amazon. We absolutely love hearing your feedback and we really hope you enjoy it. We'll speak to you guys next week. Bye.